again. There we go. No, I turned it off. Sure. Hi. <laughs> How's everybody doing? We're going to have a wonderful time in his presence. Amen. We had a powerful meeting, uh, the first meeting, the first service. It was so good that I didn't realize the services were overlapping, the first and the second one. I'm like, I'm already in the second service. <laughs> and then I realized, it's the second service. So, but uh, I know some of you from the first meeting stayed for the second meeting. So, do we have some of, of the folks from the first meeting? Can you raise your hands? That's awesome. Well, thank you for staying. I'm sure God's going to bless you. And I got good news for you. I got fresh manna. So, you're not going to hear them first message. You're going to hear a different message. So I get fresh man out with a different, you know, God always brings something new. Amen? God always brings something new to the table. I, know, I don't know, um, you know, God is not the God who gives you overbaked or burned bread. He gives you really fresh bread. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you because you are in, in our midst. And we thank you because your presence is in this place. And as we worship you and we walk into your presence, we have encounters with you. We encounter you, Holy Spirit. So I bless everyone in this in the sanctuary. I bless everyone who is watching online. I bless everyone who is right now connected. Oh Lord God, I pray that you will reveal yourself to everyone in a very powerful Powerful, supernatural, and personal, intimate way in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that there will be no distractions, that your word will be preached with clarity, with power, with boldness, with fire, with anointing, with signs and wonders, that you will show us your glory and show us, Lord, in a deeper way, more of you, Lord. We thank you and we love you. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Amen. So if you welcome the Holy Spirit, give him a clap. Your best clap. Amen. Honor the Holy Spirit. So just a quick background. The Lord called me to preach at the age of 11 years old. And a lot of you may wonder, how can an 11-year-old preach? Well, the Lord started me very young. Nobody taught me, really. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I came to the Lord when I was seven years old. My mom actually came to the Lord. She got saved before I did. But two weeks later, I followed her decision, and I came to the Lord. But before that, I had a very strong, particular passion to just preach and tell my friends about Jesus. And you know that passion is your indicator of what you're meant to do and what you're called to do. Passion is the indicator of your calling. It's like the main indicator of your calling. If you want to know what your calling is, you need to look at what your passion is. If you don't know what your passion is, then you're not going to find out your calling. You need to find out your passion so you can find your calling too. Because passion and calling are connected. Amen? So... Uh, at that very young age, I discovered what my passion was. At the age of five, I just knew that I wanted to share my, you know, my faith with my friends, even though, uh, you know, my parents were not very devout and faithful Catholics. Every now and then, they would go to Mass, and, you know, everyone in a blue moon, and I would sit there and just listen to the priest, and, and every word that he spoke, I would just record it in my mind, and, you know, and then I would go back and retell my friends, and, and then I used to have my own Mass, you know. I used to have my private mass with my friends. You know, I used to have, uh, sometimes we had 30, 40 kids in this mass. And I used to go around the neighborhood and invite all my friends to my mass and tell them, come to mass on Saturday morning. 
And they would come, and there was an expectation. But obviously, we had grape juice and cookies, and for them, it was, it was a lot, you know, a lot of fun. Obviously, it was a, 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 it was a time of snack, and, you know, it was a time of fun. And my brother, who was uh, a bit of a troublemaker then, uh, he used to jump on the roof and make noise and all of that, you know. So it was a lot of fun. So I used to be very serious, and I am, you know, still very passionate, but I was very serious as a five-year-old. I was like, you know, I, I just want to preach, and, and I would just preach and retell the stories that I heard during Mass and tell the kids about Jesus. And then during communion, they would line up, and sometimes they would line up twice, you know, because they wanted uh, a double snack. So that's how I got started. At a very young age, I had a passion, I had a calling and then at the age of seven, I came to the Lord. I got saved. Then I stopped, you know, stopped saying I'm going to be a priest. You know, I, that was my thing. I, I used to tell my friends, I'm going to be a priest. I'm going to be a priest. And there was a priest in my family. So my Catholic side of the family, they were all happy. They were rejoicing. Oh, we're going to have another priest in the family, you know. And in fact, I was the altar boy once. I, was an, I you know, helped the priest once. And then I lost my, uh, you know, my dress, uh, my uh, whatever you call it, garment, or, you know, I lost it, and then that was it, uh, you know, done, I couldn't do it anymore, but then God had a different calling, you know, at the age of seven, I came to Christ, and what I didn't realize is that God actually called me to a new priesthood, how many of you know that, so he had called me to be a preacher, a messenger of the word, so I've been preaching, uh, then obviously, um, you know, God did many things during my childhood. My parents got saved. My mom got saved supernaturally before, you know, she was trying to commit suicide one day. I was seven years old, and she tells me this story. She was trying to commit suicide in the living room, and the Lord Jesus, the presence of God, came into the living room and stopped her, and she came to the Lord that very morning while listening to a Christian radio station. And while this preacher was saying, you know, God loves you. If you don't have a father, if you've never been loved by a father, God is your father. So in that moment, she realized that, you know, she had hope, and so she found Jesus, and her life was turned around. How many of you know that when you find Jesus, your life is going to we turn around. Amen. When you find Jesus, you're going to find hope. You're going to find joy. You're going to find everything. Amen. So then we had to pray a lot for my dad because my dad had never, you know, come to the Lord. He, he, he was a hard man and we had to pray for him for many years, but we believed and prayed. And then my dad came to the Lord when I was 12 years old. I actually have the blessing to say that I led my dad to the Lord in one of my meetings when I was 12. So that's a bit of my background. I started preaching at the age of 11 from Costa Rica, and then I went to uh, many nations around the world. I came to the U.S. when I was 15, and then I, I've been in, in the U.S. for a long time, but then God took me out of the U.S. and, and took me to, uh, to Australia, and uh, then I spent like four years there and met my, uh, before that, I met Rebecca, and uh, we actually dated while I was living in the U.S. We dated long distance. How many of you know that long distance relationships are fun? Hello? Long distance relationships are fun. We did it through Skype, so I always say, thank God and thank Skype, you know? I always say that uh, because I was actually living here in Miami when I was dating her, 
And uh, we dated for three years, and then God gave us, you know, the opportunity, uh, the blessing to get married. We got married, and uh, we've been married for six years. We have a beautiful four-year-old. Her name is Carielle, and she loves to worship the Lord. And so the Lord had us in Australia based for a while, and then he brought us back to the U.S. We're now based in Dallas on transition, but we know God is doing great things. Amen? So that's, that's what the Lord has done over the last uh, few years. I've been in ministry for 19 years, 48 nations around the world. And I can tell you something, Jesus is the Lord around the world. Amen? You know, when I, when I think about it, last week I was in the northern part of Poland, very close to a small province. It's like a small territory that is part of Russia. Russia occupied this territory many years ago. So it's not really Russian mainland, but it's part of Russia. And uh, I was there in the northern part of Poland. While I was driving there on Saturday afternoon, it, it's about five hours from Warsaw. Warsaw is the capital of Poland. So I went from Warsaw to this very small remote town. And I was in the car after flying all day long. And I was just reminded myself this is what God called me to do to go to the nations I'm passionate about this I can be in a car for five hours I can be in a plane for 12 hours and I don't get enough of this I love it you know so I'm a jet setter you can call me a jet setter you can call me a frequent flyer I just love it so last last week I was in Poland uh, this week I'm here in Miami next week I'm in Australia and God to God be the glory we keep traveling and taking the gospel all over the world amen because that's what it's about. It's about taking the gospel to the nations. So blessings and love for my wife, Rebecca. She couldn't be here, but she's praying for this meeting. And she loves what God is doing here in Miami. So blessings and love from our family. Now, the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 2, talks about this wonderful, amazing man called Nehemiah and how his passion led him to the place of his calling. So I'm just, I just want to talk briefly about that. How his passion led him to the, the place of his calling. Despite of facing a lot of obstacles, despite of facing criticism, despite of facing a lot of, you know, uh, uh, negative people, the spirit of Tobiah, you know, if you, if, you, if you think about that, Tobiah came against him big time, and he said, you're not building, you're not rebuilding the wall. There's no way you're rebuilding the wall. Tobiah didn't like the guy. Tobiah didn't like Nehemiah at all. And Tobiah got together with some of the elders and said, we're not supporting this, we're not endorsing this. And they came against him and they criticized him and they were slandering him and all of that. But Nehemiah didn't care. He had a dream. He had a ministry. He had an assignment. How many of you have an assignment from God? And how many of you know that when you have that assignment, no matter what you go through in life, God is going to come through. Amen. God is going to open the doors, amen? No matter what you are going through right now, God is going to be glorified in your life, amen? So no matter what you're facing right now, you may be facing the worst storm in your life, but God is going to part the Red Sea. He's going to open the heavens. He's going to make fire come down from heaven. If that's the case, He's going to be glorified in your life. You just need to believe it and embrace His Word every day and speak His Word. And you're like, well, preacher, that's good and easy for you to say. But I go, I go through a lot of struggles and issues in life. And sometimes it's not as easy. And, and, and you may think, oh, I need to proclaim and confess the Word. Let me tell you something. Nehemiah, and I've been through some struggles. And every man of God, every woman, every man of God, 
we all go through struggles. It's not like we're just up in a pedestal, living the nice life, and, you know, the enemy doesn't care about us. The enemy is always targeting us, especially those that are fighting in the front lines. The enemy is always targeting us, the preachers, the men of God, the women of God all over the world. So we go through struggles. Believe me, I go through struggles, and, and sometimes I feel like, God, you know, I can't take it anymore. This is too much. Uh, it's too hot in the wilderness. You know, I need to get out and, and go to the promised land soon. I've been waiting, you know. You go through those seasons in life where your faith is tested and refined like gold, but then you get out of that season and you walk into the season of the promised land where you see signs and wonders. But I got to tell you something. Even while you were going through the wilderness, God didn't forsake you. God didn't leave you. He didn't leave you stranded. He was glorified every step of the way. Come on, church. He came up and he came through and, and he provided for you. And, and, and he came through in every single moment where you felt like giving up, quitting, turning around and saying, no more. God said I'm still here I love you and I know what you're going through and I'm going to open the doors for you so Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 2 says and the king said to me and this is you know uh, it's talking about Nehemiah and the king said to me why is your face sad seeing you are not sick this is nothing but sadness of the heart then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I, that, look at that. Look at the, the, um, look at the verse and then you're going to realize that there is an order there. So there is, what are you requesting? This is the question the king is asking. What are you requesting? And then he says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. It doesn't say, oh, well, king, I need to go to Jerusalem and, and rebuild the city. Or I need to do this or I need to do that. No, it says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Now, this is powerful. Because before he places the request, before he goes before the king, he goes into his secret place. We don't know the sequence of events. We don't know how long it took him, you know, to get back to the king. We don't know how long it took him in, in the prayer room. We don't know, you know how long before he placed that request. It doesn't say we don't have all the dates there. But what I really like about this story is that Nehemiah... You know, he goes before the king, he's serving, he's doing his normal, you know, his normal routine. He's helping the king. Obviously, he's a cupbearer, so he's helping him. He's giving him his drink and whatever. He's serving him. And then the king picks up on Nehemiah's, you know, sadness and the expression in his face. And he realizes there's something wrong with Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah is giving, you know, he's, he's not keeping it. He's not hiding it. He is obviously reflecting it. He's saying it, you know, your face can speak a thousand words of how you feel. Hello? Because your eyes are the windows of your heart. So whatever is going on in your heart is going to be reflected in your face. Whether you hide it, 
whether you're good at hiding it, there's going to be a point where your face is going to let everybody know how you're feeling, right? How many, how many of you are good at hiding things? Come on. How many of you have become experts at hiding things? Well, let me tell you something. When you are married, it doesn't matter how long you've been married, you will never become good at hiding things. Hello? You'll never become good. It doesn't matter if your face is trying to hide it or your emotions or your self-contain. Or it doesn't matter how you behave. Your wife, your spouse, your husband, you know, they will know it because there is a communication in the spirit that you may not understand. But in the spirit it's happening. So I can see it like your spouse can see through your heart. She can see, she can see through your spirit. She knows what you're going through, you know. Sometimes when I feel disappointed, I'm like, you know, just trying to, you know, trying to hide it like nothing is wrong. My wife comes into the office and says, honey, is something wrong with you? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm okay. Is something wrong with you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I had this phone call, I had this cancellation, whatever, you know, change of plans. But, you know, it's amazing. You don't have to utter words. You don't have to say anything. But your spirit will let someone know what is going on. Hello? When you actually, when you're in heaven, how many of you would like to go to heaven? Come on, raise your hand. When you go to heaven, you're going to realize that heaven's language is, is so powerful and it doesn't need words. Heaven's language is through the Spirit. It's Spirit speaking to Spirit. There's no words. There's no need for words. There's, what do you mean no need? No. For spoken words? No. Because your Spirit will speak to the other Spirit and the, the other person will know what, you know, it's amazing. There's a connection there. So this is a spiritual event. This is supernatural because Nehemiah is going about, you know, out and about doing his work and serving the king. And then all of a sudden the king notices that he's sad. And the king turns around and says, Nehemiah, why are you sad? And Nehemiah is surprised like, you know, I thought I was hiding it. And then Nehemiah says, how can I be happy if the city of my father's graves has been destroyed and it has been burned with fire? How can I be happy if all of these things are happening in my city? You know, Nehemiah was a true intercessor. How many of you are intercessors here? You, do you know what that word means? When you pray in the spirit, when you're a prayer warrior, when you are an intercessor, you intercede for your city, you intercede for the nation. You know the reason why we have this time of favor and grace in America is because the intercessors said enough is enough. And they started praying. They started gathering in big, in big prayer meetings and small prayer meetings all across America. And they started praying for the elections. And the reason we have this time of grace and favor and we have this time of, of freedom is because the intercessor said we had enough and we're going to start praying until something changes and that's why we saw a change that's why we saw a shift that it is you know you may not be able to explain it you may not be able to to reason and you're like well how this happened you know we thought it was going to be a a, a complete uh, uh, lost game we thought it was going to be done you know but then all of a sudden God intervenes God comes through and then all of a sudden we see a different result because that's what happens when you pray prayer changes things in the natural prayer changes things in 
in the natural. Can you say it with me? Prayer. Say it with me. Prayer changes things in the natural. When you have obstacles, when you have barriers, when you have walls facing you, prayer will change the spiritual atmosphere. Prayer will change the ordinary and will bring the extraordinary into your life. Come on, church. Prayer will bring favor to you. Prayer will bring the miraculous to you. Prayer will bring signs and wonders to you. Prayer will open heavens to you. Amen. When I was eight, I went through a very difficult time. I was diagnosed with cancer between my lungs and my heart. The doctors gave up on me. They gave me one year to live, and it's part of my testimony. You can read it. This is not a self speech, you know. You, you can go back and check my book. But God came through in a supernatural way. The doctor said I was going to die. But God replaced that sentence, that, you know, diagnosis. He replaced it with a vision. He replaced it with a dream. When the doctor said that I was going to die, God said, no, you're not going to die. You're going to live until you preach to the whole world. You're going you're gonna to preach the whole world. And, and let me tell you something. I was going through a very difficult time, even though I was eight. My dad was not a believer then. My dad was a drunkard. And he used to drink and drink. But this time he was drinking even more. So it was a very difficult, sad, horrible time for my family, especially for my mom. But she was a prayer warrior. And she didn't give up. And we prayed and prayed. Let me tell you something. My mom and I, we were prayer partners. And we used to pray and say, God, shut down the business. Shut down the bar. Shut it down. Because we know this bar was destroying my dad's life. And his future. Because he was a drunkard and he had a, a bar. So he couldn't obviously avoid, he couldn't help but drinking. Hello? When you're surrounded by alcohol, that's what you do. Right? So it was very difficult for him to quit. Because he was surrounded by alcohol. And by drunkards. And by people who would come and tempt him and offer him alcohol. So it was very difficult for him to give up his vice of alcohol. He couldn't do it. But God came through. And let me tell you, I used to go into his bar and preach to his clients. I used to write on napkins, Jesus loves you, you know, surrender, he will forgive your sins. And I used to grab a bunch of napkins and put them in my pocket and go on an expedition, you know, an evangelistic expedition. And I would go and give them out, you know, secretly, like, you know. And then one day my dad called me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm going to shut down my business. What he didn't know is that my mom and I were praying so God would shut down his business. So literally God was, you know you know, doing something. But two years later, the business was shut down supernaturally. And I have the privilege to say that I led my dad to the Lord when I was 12 years old. He came to one of my meetings and I was preaching and he walked out of, uh, he was in the back. He was standing there. He would always stand there, just watch. You know, he was kind of a, you know, how sometimes unbelievers can be kind of a, uh, you know, uh, uh, skeptical and all of that. He was very skeptical. He would actually go to people and ask people, is, is that true what my son said to you? Was that a word? Was that really a, a word? Was that really a prophecy? He didn't know anything about you, but is that true? 
true? Or did that really happen to you? He used to interrogate and ask people. You know, he was like that. He was an unbeliever in all sense and shape of the word. He was an unbeliever. But then God came through. In one of those meetings, he started weeping. He couldn't stop it. And he came down the, the, the hole. And, and he just came all the way to the altar, weeping and shaking. And he surrendered his life to Christ on that day. I will never forget it, how he came to the Lord. It was the most amazing experience. And all the ushers and the deacons and the church elders and the pastors were looking at my dad. They were thinking, oh my goodness, we all this time we've been thinking he's, you know, he's a pastor. He's a leader. He's a church, you know, leader. And look, he's surrendering his life to Christ. He, 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 put, he could put on a face and he could behave like he was a leader, like he was part of the church. You know what I'm saying? And he would speak like them. But there was a moment where God touched his life and he was radically transformed. You know? Nehemiah had a passion. His passion was to rebuild the city. My question to you is what is your passion? What is your assignment? What is the Lord calling you to do? What is burning in your heart? What is your dream? What is that that you cannot quit thinking about it? What is that that you cannot, you know, give up because you feel like that desire is burning in your heart and you want to do it? And you're like, God, if I have the money, I will do it. Well, stop praying like that. Hello? Some people say, if I have the money, I would build an orphanage. If I have the money, I would travel around the world. If I have the money, I will do this and I will do that. If I have the money, I will help ministers. If I have the money, I would promote the gospel and I would partner in this and that. Let me tell you something. If God gives you a million dollars and you have that kind of attitude, I will never see you in church again. Hello? Because you don't say to God, if I have the money, I will do it. You say, God, even with one penny, even with $10, even with $100, I'm going to do it because I believe you. And my faith is going to join with your word. My faith is going to join with your promise. And even though I don't have the money, I'm going to start running the race. Come on, church. Even though I don't have the resources, I'm going to do something which is going to activate my miracle. Come on, church. I'm going to do something. I'm going to take a huge step of faith because... I know God is going to take three steps ahead of me. Come on, church. So if I take a step, tell your neighbor, take a small step. You know, you may not be ready for the huge step. How many of you are ready for the huge step? Some of you are like, I'm ready for the small step. Thank you very much. So take a small step. No matter how small your faith is, take a small step and let God surprise you. Let God bless you and let God show you His glory. Come on, church. Let God open the heavens and let God come through in your life. See, Nehemiah, before he requested anything, he went into the prayer room. Number one, when you are passionate, you know that prayer is the only weapon that will sustain you in this battle. Whatever you want to call it, the battle of life or the wilderness or, you know, the enemy attacking you, whatever you want to call it, the only thing that can sustain you is prayer. And you may feel really weary and tired and ready to give up, but there is going to be a moment where you go into your prayer room and you get a word. 
You may feel like you are done. Like you're going to give up. Like you're going to throw the towel. Like that's it. I'm done with ministry. I'm done with this department in church. I'm done. I am not liking this. And I'm running away. And I'm going to be like Jonah. I'd rather be like Jonah than Jeremiah. Hello? Well, if you want to be like (laughs) Jonah, I have news for you. You're going to end up in the belly of a fish. And God is going to deal with you. You know what I'm saying? Um, not literally, but it's going to happen. Like, if you decide to disobey, your assignment is going to hunt you down. Your assignment is going to find you. And God is going to come to you at the, at the point where you feel like, oh my goodness, this is it. I'm not having any success. Doors are shutting on me. Things are just going backward. I am not moving forward. Nothing is happening. And then God is going to come in that very moment and say, give me your hand and let's walk on water. Come on, church. Come on, church. Give me your hand. Hand over your insecurity. Hand over your fear. Hand over your doubts. Hand over the baggage from the world. Hand it over. Nail it to the cross because I will be glorified in your life once again. Hand it over. Nail it to the cross. Nail your sickness, your pain. Nail your anxiety. Everything that you've been through, nail it to the cross. I am... Some people say, I am terribly anxious. Give your anxiety to the Lord. But I have an assignment. How many, how many of you have an assignment? Raise your hand. You know, I knew about my assignment when I was very little. You're like, well, that's awesome. You're very gifted. That didn't happen to me. I had a different childhood. Even though you had a different childhood, there was a point in your childhood where you saw your assignment where you saw your calling, where you could identify what you were called to do, but you didn't use it in the right way. Hello? Some people are called to be prophets since they are born. They don't know how to develop that. They don't know how to nurture that. They think this is a weird, you know, they're so, so superstitious. And they think, wow, this is so weird that I can see what people are going through. And I can see what, you know, I, I can actually feel it. And, and I, I actually know, you know, that's the gift of prophecy. That's nothing weird. God's giving you that gift and you're going to develop it. You're going to grow it. And before you know it, you're going to be speaking prophetically. You're going to be flowing. You're going to be cruising along. And there will be no hindrance because God is going to use you amazingly. Come on, church. But before that, there is a process. Say with me, process. Tell your neighbor, there is a process. A lot of people think, oh, no, I can just get in the microwave and just become a minister overnight. Hello? Well, in the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as microwave. You may have it here on earth, but in heaven, there is no microwave. How many of you love your microwave? Raise your hand. Oh, you will, you will not find a microwave in heaven. I got bad news for you. Everything is created by the Word, so it's supernatural. Hallelujah. Or everything is created by the process. Oh, you're not getting this. You're not getting this. I said everything is created by the Word, or everything is created through the process. So there is two ways 
on how God will deal, on how God will show you His glory through the word, the spoken word, and through the process. So when you go through the process, don't feel like God has forsaken you because God hasn't. Nehemiah went through the process. He had to go to every city and knock on doors and say, hey, I got some letters. Would you give me some resources? Would you give me some wood? Would you give me some of that, those materials that you're not using? Would you give me this and give me that? And then God provided and God was glorified in the process. And then when he came to the city and he had to face the music, hello, then he came against who? Tobiah. And Tobiah got really mad and jealous. And he's like, you're not building. You're not rebuilding. You're not doing this. No way. There's no way you're doing this. You know, sometimes Tobiahs are going to come against you. And they're going to say, you don't have what it takes. And you're not going to build. And you're not going to do that. And you're not going to be a minister. And you're not going to preach. You know, one time when I was 12 years old and I was watching Benny Hinn, I had this preacher said to me one day, you know, he was... He was standing there, and I was 12. You know, I was watching Benny, and I was like, you know, awestruck by the power and the glory and the miracles. And this preacher came up to me and tapped on my shoulder, and he said, Son, i got to tell you something. And I looked at him, and he said, You will never amount to that. You will have Tobias in life. You will have people that will tell you, You will never do that. You know, one time I was in Bible school. I was the youngest student. You know, I was 12, and I was admitted supernaturally to this Bible school. I wanted to go to this Bible school so bad. I asked my mom, can I, can I, can I? And she's like, well, let's go and see. Because I was underage, you know. I was 12 years old. How can a 12-year-old go to Bible school? And so I went to, the, to this apostle, very known, very international, powerful, amazing man of God. And I told him that I wanted to go to his Bible school. And he's like, yeah, I've heard of you. You're the boy preacher. And I was known back then as the boy preacher. You're the boy preacher. And I was already preaching all over Costa Rica and different places in South America. And I was the boy preacher. So he's like, you're the boy preacher. He's like, if I call you this week, uh, you know, I'm going to have bad news. Unfortunately, I won't be able to admit you into our Bible school program. But if I don't call you, then you're going to be fine. And, you know, you, you'll be welcome into our Bible school. So all that week, I was praying. Guess what my prayer was? Lord, let him not call me in Jesus' name. You know, I was praying, oh, Lord, please don't let him not call me. Please, in Jesus' name, no. And I was like, you know, I was really anxious. I was like waiting. And, and then next Tuesday came, and I went to the Bible school, and I saw my name on the, on, the, on the board. I had been admitted as a student of that Bible school. Supernaturally, I was 12 and I was surrounded with all these apostles and prophets and pastors. And I was like the pet of the Bible school, you know. And in fact, they called me the pet of the Bible school because I was so little and so tiny and skinny. And a 12-year-old, I looked like a 9-year-old, you know, hanging out with all these apostles and prophets from all over the world and listening. And I was like, you know, surrounded by all of these great men of God and women of God. But one day, one man came to me and said, what are you doing here? And I said, you know, I was so enthusiastic and passionate. And I'm like, I'm studying the word. I'm loving this. I'm studying the word. I'm, you know, I got a ministry. He's like, you're wasting your childhood. You should be out there playing with your friends and your toys. There's no room here for you. You're just a child. You're passionate. But go and, you know, those words were like darts. 
really bad. You know, I, I had to face my Tobias when I was growing up. But here I am years later and God has sustained me and his word has sustained me and his promises have sustained me and the word that God gave me has sustained me and the dream that I had when I was 11 years old has sustained me and it will continue to sustain me. Because when God has given you an assignment, he will give you a word and that word will sustain you. Come on church, that word will sustain you. No matter if you go through the wilderness, no matter if you go through the fire, no matter if you go through the worst time in your life, God's word will sustain you. God's word will sustain you through the thick and the thin, through the worst, through the darkest time of your life. I've had people come to my meetings with you know, with weapons. They had been told by the enemy they needed to kill me. There was a guy in Guatemala. He was a witch doctor. He was standing there in the middle of the meeting. He had a knife. He had a long, a long and ponytail. He was dressed in black. And he had a knife and he was ready to run and stab me. And I was only a 15-year-old preaching in front of 2,000 people. And he had that knife and he was getting ready to do it. And the power of God hit him. And he froze. He couldn't move. He was like a frozen statue for the next two hours. The power of God froze him. He could not move. The ushers were trying to, you know, move him. And he was like, he, was, he could not move. And then at the end of the meeting, when the altar time came, he came forward on tears. He was on tears. And he came forward shaking under the power of God. And he got saved in that very moment. He gave his life to Christ in that very moment. The next day, the pastor brings him to the office. He doesn't have the long pointy tail. This gentleman looking very sharp. He was not dressed in black. He was completely changed he was a different man i couldn't even recognize him when he walked through the doors of the office the pastor says jokingly you know that guy wanted to kill you last night I'm like really <laughs> and you know I, I thought it was you know it was a joke i'm like no 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 way and then he sits there and he starts telling me that yes that was he his plot he was plotting that the night before he had been sent by a witchcraft association. You know the witch doctors. You think, oh, that's all fantasy. No, they are all well organized. They have their meetings. They have their, you know, summits, whatever you want to call it. And they send people to churches with different assignments to destroy men of God. They're well organized. They know what they're doing. A lot of Christians don't even know what they're doing, but they know what they're doing. Hello? And one of them came to my meeting and the power of God hit him. He got saved. And now he's, praise the Lord, he's born again. He's born again. Come on, church. I had a different situation with another guy. And I can tell you story after story. When God's giving you an assignment, no matter who comes against you, God is going to give you the breakthrough. I said God is going to give you the breakthrough. No matter who comes against you, God is going to give you the victory. No matter who comes against you, God is going to give you the provision. Come on church. God is going to give you the resources and what you need in order to keep going. Faith. Hope. 
His word will sustain you. Every time you feel like you're dragging, like nothing is happening, everything is so slow, and you're like, God, I can't do it anymore. You know, Nehemiah went through times where he had to like really, you know, struggle with, with his own passion and his dream and his assignment, and he was zealous, and he had to deal with Tobiah, and Tobiah was opposing him. You know the worst opposition? You will find it at church. You will not find it in the world. Hello? They're like, did you say that? Did you really say that? Yes, I said that. The worst opposition will be at church. Because people will look at you and think, you don't have what it takes. You've been in church for five years. I've been in church for 30 years. Thank you very much. And I'm more mature than you are. And I know, I know more things than you know. I've been in this church for 25 years, and I, I, that's my pew. That's my seat. Nobody takes that seat. Hello? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hello? That's my seat. Nobody takes that. I bought it. Well, how much did you pay for that? But you have people like that that are oxidated. In the spirit. They're no longer working properly. They're no longer working in their calling. And they're, wa they're walking out of religion. They're walking out of routine. They're walking out of just doing church rather than being the church. Let's be the church and let's not do church. Come on church. Let's be the church. A lot of people know how to do church well. They put on the church show and they're like, let's do church. No, I am not doing church. I am being the church because I'm part of the body of Christ. And God has called me to preach the gospel, build the kingdom of God, advance his kingdom, cast out the demons, heal the sick, and raise the name of Jesus Christ in the nations. Come on, church. That's what we are called to do. Are you ready to walk in your assignment? Just close your eyes wherever you are. I don't know what your assignment is. I don't know what your calling is. You may be wondering for years and years, what is my assignment? What is my calling? What am I supposed to do? But you know that deep inside of you, there is this dream. There is this desire to do something, but you haven't done it. And you're like, I wish I can do it. I wish I can do it. Well, Nehemiah had that desire, and that desire didn't stop him. He had a desire to rebuild his city. He went before the Lord. He prayed. He asked the Lord. God gave him the resources. He went back and started rebuilding the city. Are you ready to walk in your assignment? If you have an assignment, just wherever you are, just pray with me. If you have a calling and if you have something that God has called you to do in this life, pray with me right now. And just say, Lord, help me to identify my calling. Lord, help me. Help me reach my calling. Lord, help me get to my promised land. Lord, help me. Be obedient and listen to your voice. Help me, God. Here I am. I surrender. 
Holy Spirit, I just thank you for what you're doing in this place. We're just going to come into a time of worship where God is going to bring healing and revival. And the anointing so strong. Would you please stand on your feet and just raise your hands. You're like, well, I don't do that in my church. Well, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is here, so. When you raise your hands, you know what that means? That means I surrender, God. I surrender, God. We don't raise our hands just because we are weird. Well, that's besides the point. We are weird anyway. Because we're the children of God. And the world will not understand who we are until they come to the kingdom and they taste the kingdom. They're like, wow, I want to be weird too. But he's not wacky type of weirdness. His kingdom is fresh. It's like, wow, the world thinks I'm weird, but I'm not really. I'm just, I'm different. I'm no longer the same. Because the Holy Spirit is in me. If you have the Holy Spirit, just raise your hand where you are. If you are a habitation of the Holy Spirit, Wherever you go, you will testify of His wonders. Oh, Jesus, come upon me, Holy Spirit. You know, the Lord is going to begin to flow. And if you need healing, if you need a touch from heaven, if you need healing in your life, oh, you can begin to sing that song one more time, the, the song you were singing before you, before you call me. Before I started preaching, there was a song, a very powerful song you were singing. Show me your glory. Oh, Jesus. If you want to nail your pain to the cross, nail it to the cross, people. If you want to nail your sickness to the cross, nail it to the cross today. If you want to nail your doubt and your fear to the cross, nail it to the cross. Nail it to the cross. Oh, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me Sing it out loud. Show me your glory. If you need a miracle and you need a miracle today and you want God to be glorified in your circumstances can you please come forward if you need a miracle today whatever that miracle is I'm gonna pray for you if you need a miracle today no matter what it is I'm gonna pray for you if you need a miracle today come forward I'm gonna pray for you I'm gonna pray for you quickly the Holy Spirit is here the Holy Spirit is here show me your glory Show me your glory. Show me your glory. The Lord shows me that you've been dealing with a lot of fear. Show me that your you, you glory. have um, 
that you've been struggling, that there, there, there have been thoughts of discouragement and, and you've been feeling very down and, and it's been a very difficult season for you. It's been a season of losses and, and you've been counting your losses. You've been counting your losses and it's been very difficult for you to let go and it's been almost heart-wrenching and, 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 and you've been like trying to move forward but, but at the same time you keep thinking about the things you went through and you keep going back to the old memories and you're like God I can't do it I can't let go I can't let go but God is saying to you this morning son I love you and everything you've lost and everything everything the enemy took from you I'll, I'll give it back to you the Lord says and it's going to be given back to you seven times more in Jesus name so I release the anointing over this man touch him Holy Spirit touch 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 Holy Ghost, just come upon him and fill him up and heal him, God, from the, the, the from his head to his toes. Let the anointing come upon him now. Let him, Lord, experience healing. Let him experience healing right now. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. The Lord says, no more worry, no more fear. You will no longer carry worry and fear. For I have set you free and I will release you to the full potential. The Lord says, I'm going to use you mightily. The Lord says, you've been dealing with a lot of things. You've had a lot of things on your plate. And it's been very difficult for you to move forward. But the Lord says, I'm clearing the obstacles and I'm going to show you my glory. Touch your Holy Ghost. Show me your glory. Come on, raise your hands and the anointing is upon you. Oh, show me your glory. There is, a, there is an issue that has been haunting you. There's something, there's a memory, there's something that you can't quite forget and you can't quite let 